This episode of Fire and Water Records is dedicated to the memory of Adam Schlesinger, an incredibly talented songwriter and musician. In his life, Schlesinger co-founded the band Fountains of Wayne and wrote numerous hit songs for other artists as well as movies and TV. He received award nominations across the entire EGOT spectrum, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. And one of the songs he wrote is featured on this episode that you're about to hear. Schlesinger died on April 1st due to complications from COVID-19. He was 52 years old. another rockin' episode of Fire and Water Records, the music anthology show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, here to fill your ears with the newest installment of Soundtrack Selections, where my guest and I share some of our favorite songs that either debuted on movie soundtracks or were otherwise used to memorable effect in the movies. This time, my guest is a longtime podcaster from the Two True Freaks Network, where he has hosted several shows over the years, including the Class 1000 podcast about the Marvel superheroes role-playing game. Please welcome Gene Hendricks. How's it going, Gene? It's going really well. How about yourself, Ryan? I'm doing well. I am staying healthy. I hope you and your family are too. Yes. Yeah, we're uh, we're typically hermits by nature, so it's not really that bad. <laughs> Uh, and and for all the people listening to this who are working from home, uh, discovering new aspects of their life and what they are capable of doing and uh, under dire situations, um, hopefully this episode will be an entertaining respite from your your otherwise uh, whatever kind of life you you have right now. So yeah, well we got some toe tapping selections for you, so you should be all right. We do indeed. This is definitely. Mostly, like, like I'd say, ninety percent uh, in up tempo uh, of more fun songs that we're going to talk about. Um, but before we even get into that, um, just random question, just to sort of get some banter going before we dive <laughs> into things. Uh, some of your favorite movies. I mean, if you made a top three or top five list, like what would you have on that? Well, actually, believe it or not, I made a top three list uh, not too long ago, which you can find at thehammerstrikes.com. Uh, <laughs> it's just something that popped into my head that there are three movies that I must rewatch, you know, I would say, within a year's time. It's just those – my brain just says, you haven't watched this. Watch it now. And those would be Star Trek The Motion Picture. Okay. Stop, stop groaning, Rob. <laughs> the Black Hole which is, believe it or not, my favorite Disney movie. Okay. And the original Star Wars. Mm. And when I say original, I mean not episode four. Star <laughs> the Wars. theatrical cut, 1977, yes. Star Wars. Yeah. 
which if you Google Team Negative One, they have a very, very good restored version of that online. It's like 20 gigabytes, but it is beautiful. (laughs) It It is worth the download time, trust me. Cool. Very cool. Uh, Star Wars is in my top three as well. I recently uh, recorded a podcast with Ashford for the the Four Who Rule his Seinfeld podcast. Uh, just kind of a uh, a general uh, done in one, not Seinfeld related, but we just did a kind of one off episode about some top ten lists. Uh, if we were stuck on a deserted island, you know, if we had to pick favorites, mm. we had albums, TV series, and movies. Um, so I, I won't spoil all of mine because I want people to listen to that episode for Ashford and me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, def- I had Star Wars in my top in my top 10 definitely um and a lot of my favorite movies had really good soundtracks i'll 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 mention that too but you and zaki hassan have made me appreciate star trek the motion picture more than i did the first time i saw yes (laughs) victory (laughs) i will say the first time i watched it i i binged sort of binged or like basically one every day uh soon after my son was born so i ah. was pretty tired but i would watch all six of the original cast star trek uh movies and i fell asleep a couple of times watching Star Trek the Bush picture it took me several t- attempts to get through it the first time so mm-hmm. i was like oh my god this sucks after hearing you guys talk about it, listening to some other podcasts and like reading what you guys had to say, I gave it a second chance, and now it's my third favorite of the of the original six. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, the subject for this one, the kind of organizing principle, this was Gene's idea, actually. He yes. came to me <laughs> and proposed an episode dedicated to songs written specifically for the movie. Um, and what that kind of morphed into is we, we made lists of movie kind of theme songs, not, repeat, not the instrumental scores, the themes, but not the theme music to the movie, but the popular song that is either part of the beginning or ending credits or has the movie title in it or is just in some way kind of the signature song piece of the film. Uh, so very different from like the last couple of episodes where we might have picked a song that had a was part of a really memorable scene. This is like the theme, the <laughs> hit song for that movie that was written for the movie. Yeah, my my idea was basically what if the movie didn't exist? If the movie didn't exist, you wouldn't have this song. So it's <laughs> not like, let's say, the immigrant song. If Thor Ragnarok was never made, the immigrant song is still around, even though it was used to great effect in that movie. Mm -hmm. Twice. But (laughs) yes, and I loved it both times. Uh, But these songs were, like you said, either integral to the movie itself or riffed on the title of the movie. Uh, And that's that's actually uh, the categories I broke it down into were this has to do with the movie's title. Mm Mm-hmm. Or this is telling part of the story or the premise of the movie. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right, well, with that set up, why don't you introduce us to your first pick of the episode? Uh, all right, now that I told you I broke it down into two categories, the first one is actually both. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be Flash's theme from 1980's Flash Gordon.
I find interesting about this is that there's actually two versions of the song. There's Flash, which is what you always hear on the album. That's with all the dialogue inserted, you know, Gordon's alive (laughs) and all that. But then Flash's theme is the actual beginning of the movie where you have uh, Clytus and Ming talking back and forth. But it's mainly the song. So but either way, it's by Queen. It's awesome. (laughs) And it's one of those uh, because I my two favorite bands are Queen and Huey Lewis and the News. (laughs) And Queen just when when they do stuff for a movie, they rock that song. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to spoil that your favorite bands make up fifty percent of your picks on this episode, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, I, I have to confess, I have never seen the movie Flash Gordon. Okay. Uh, I had to actually. I, I made this confession uh, on an earlier podcast when I appeared with the uh, the Longbox Crusade guys because uh, mm. I did an episode of their Saturday matinee theater where we looked at an old episode of the original like 1930s serial Flash Gordon. Uh, and Jared asked me, you know, what's my experience with Flash Gordon? I was like, I've never seen that movie. I've never read like any books or Flash Gordon mm-hmm. fiction. I've also never read any um, Buck Rogers or seen the the Buck Rogers show because for a long time I thought they were the same thing. I like like confuse them. I, I like lump them in my mind. Oh, Buster Crab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same guy. Um, but the thing is, without having seen the movie, I have heard this song so many times like <laughs> in the last 10 years even on podcasts and podcast promos like, <laughs> i swear like every time i hear like a podcast like there's i hear this song or somebody's talking about this song and everything like i i could probably quote the lyrics of the song and and ming's dialogue and everything like this mm-hmm. um the, the funny thing is like without the context of the movie almost kind of sounds like a parody of a song. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird to listen to when you don't know the... the and I've, I've pieced it together. I know enough about it to, like... And the general story of Flash Gordon and what he is mm-hmm. that, that I can get to it. But, like, if you just listen to this in isolation, it's weird. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely understand that. Uh, but, as you said, you have some idea of the story. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. One one piece of advice I will give you. If you ever do sit down and watch the movie, you've already seen one of the serials. Mm-hmm. This is taking that into the 80s. Mm-hmm. The same ship designs, the same uh, idea of Ming the Merciless and everything. It's just been glammed. <laughs> so just keep that in mind if you ever decide to watch it. Uh, maybe maybe that'll hey. be another uh, Patreon exclusive yeah. uh, deal. Hey, Max von Sydow and Brian Blessed, you cannot go wrong. That is that's true. <laughs> that's that's nice. The the recently departed Max von Sydow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, my first selection for this episode is the song "That Thing You Do," performed by the Oneaters or <laughs> or the Wonders from the movie "That Thing You Do." Doing that thing you do Breaking my heart into a million pieces Like you always do
Uh, in the film, the Wonders, which is spelled O-N-E-D-E-R, because the lead singer likes to kind of riff on misspelled things, sort of like the Beatles, um, mm. they're a struggling local band that make it big based on the strength of this one particular popular hit. Um, the band's look and sound is inspired by the Beatles, the Animals, other acts of the 1960s. Um, this movie was written and directed by Tom Hanks. It was his directorial debut. Um, and it's it's not a complicated movie. It's basically the rise and fall of a one-hit wonder. It kind of a riff on the name Wonders was based on that. Um, in like this kind of you know silver age of pop music and and it's it's a fun movie it's not it's not complex you know it's not it's not like it doesn't get as dark as a lot of biopics do it's very lighthearted but it's also got a kind of charm about it that I, I really enjoyed you know it would never make a greatest movies list but there's nothing objectionable about it it's it's fun and the the song is catchy it's a good little tune um it's written originally to be a ballad kind of this wistful love song but when they're performing it for a a local talent show the substitute drummer who has to sit in who's played by tom everett scott he kicks off the number with this drum solo that sets a faster tempo and the band kind of has to catch up uh to hit to his pace and as they do that they make the song an unintentional rocker it takes off and they win the talent contest and they eventually record it and it gets all this radio play and they become big and famous uh the song itself was actually written by the bass player for the fountains of wayne um it's it's a legit pop tune it charted all over the world it was nominated for best song that year um and it's a nice kind of pastiche of that type of pop rock sound from the 60s so yeah it's uh that's one of those movies where if it's on i'll stop and watch it yeah but i don't i don't actually seek it out you know what I mean? It's it's a very good movie. I really enjoyed it. It's also the first of two Liv Tyrone uh, tie-in songs. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's just not one that I don't ever go and say, oh, let me look up that thing you do. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, there it is. Let me watch it. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's enjoyable, but not it doesn't grab me. You right. Know? All right. What do you got next? Well, the next one is something that I'm pretty sure everybody and their sister knows, and that would be Ray Parker Jr.'s breakout hit. Something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Something weird and it don't look good. Who you gonna call? And this song has uh, a decent amount of meaning to me simply because Ghostbusters is one of those movies that we would watch pretty much constantly growing up. Uh, it's still one of the ones that will my, my group of friends and I, we will quote back and forth a lot. In fact, I believe in uh, one of the Class 1000 episodes that hasn't been released yet, one of us calls the other one Francine. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, of, come here, Francine. <laughs> it, it's it's a super quotable movie, and it's a really catchy song that you hear every single October. <laughs> you cannot get away with from the song, even though it is thirty five years old. Mm-hmm. It is it is an awesome movie. It, it's one of those movies. We, I had a, a copy of VHS when I was a kid, and I watched it all the time. 
I co-signed. I love the movie. It is super quotable. It's just a great little film. Uh, not great little film. It's a great film. <laughs> and yeah, this song is one of those that's sort of like baked into the DNA of movie and like Hollywood and like people of a certain generation that saw it. This song never went away because it is the, the perennial Halloween time hit. Like it's mm-hmm. always on Halloween playlists. But if you divorced it from that, it's kind of weird because like it's something that is super specific. Like, who are you going to call Ghostbusters? Like, if you're not talking about the movie, that's not something you would ever say. Like, right. it's, not, it's not like a catchy phrase that like exists in pop culture as anything other than this very, very specific fictional type of job that works in this movie. And yet, if you change that, if you took that part of the song out, it's got a really catchy hook. Like, the music itself is, is a good atypical like it doesn't sound like anything else but it is a groove that gets in you and like you you start jamming to this it's it's very catchy it's very hip and and it's just weird that it's all based on the skeleton of this this line of ghostbusters that really you can if you're not talking about the movie you can only play the song at a halloween playlist or or, or costume party (laughs) yeah Um, it's it it, it's a a weird and niche kind of song that like flash's theme if you've never seen Ghostbusters, you hear it as like, oh, that's kind of weird. It's a good <laughs> yeah. song. It's kind of weird. Um, there was a wonderful, a glorious bit on Saturday Night Live, I think, where they, their whole skit was about celebrity ghost encounters. Uh, and they had the cast pretend to be, you know, famous people talking about like their, their one night in a haunted house or something. And one of the fake interview subjects was Ray Parker Jr., <laughs> it was, I think it was Keenan who was playing him, and he was like, "He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I made, got famous by singing this song. I ain't afraid of no ghost. You know what ghosts don't like when you make a parody song about how much you don't, how much they don't scare you. Ghosts haunted my black ass for years after that. He's like, it got so bad that I had to record a second song called On Second Thought. Ghosts do scare me very much. It wasn't a really big hit. <laughs> I love it. Oh boy, I'm, I didn't. I've never seen that bit, but now I'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> I might have to find a link for that one and uh, include it in this episode's show notes. So. All right, moving on. My next song for this episode is "Sooner or Later" by Madonna from her album "I'm Breathless," which was the soundtrack to Dick Tracy. Baby, you're mine on a platter. I always get my. Babe, the challenge delights me The more you resist, babe The more it excites me And no one I've kissed, babe Ever fights me I loved this movie. I mean, this hit the year after Batman, so I was at like a prime age. I was loving comics and anything sort of similar <laughs> about that. Uh, this movie, God, I, this movie is still so unique in 
the way it looks. There's no other movie that looks like this movie. Like, you think of all of the comic book movies that have come after this, certainly, and nothing really has the style or the, the tone of this one, which is really weird because it was a Warren Beatty movie, and you weren't, I mean, you don't think of Warren Beatty first as a director. He's an, a great, an accomplished director, but that's probably not what you associate him with first. And for him to have such a singular, bold vision for this movie and what it looks like. It's really, really incredible. But moving on to the music, I mean, you've got Madonna as Breathless Mahoney, this nightclub singer, and she's got some great songs throughout this movie, but I always loved this one. Um, I I think this is easily the best, Um, and I'm pretty sure this was nominated and actually may have won the Oscar that year. I think it's the least Madonna-ish song. Like, it's one of those songs where, like, I think almost anybody could cover this song, and it would have just as much staying power, and it would feel just as resonant. Um, Her voice is kind of at a lower pitch or lower register than usual. Uh, It's just a different kind of style. But when I hear this, I feel like I'm in a smoke-filled jazz club in the 30s. Like, this song just puts me in a place, uh, and I, I just really love it. Yeah, it's. I'm not super familiar with Dick Tracy. I saw it when it came out, but the the major thing that sticks in my mind are the ads on the back of comic books. Yes, they were all over the place, everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. But I I agree with what what you said. It the movie itself is the Dick Tracy comic come to life. Mm-hmm. They did an amazing job with the makeup to get you know, all those weird villains to look right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, you know, listening to it today and then looking through the lyrics, all I could think of is, you know, this is a perfect song for Jessica Rabbit. It, yes. <laughs> yeah, it because it, 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 it's just it's like you said, smoke filled bar. Madonna is in this this tight, slinky black dress in the movie mm-hmm. performing this. And it's of the same time period, the same the woman is going to get over on the man theme. So it it just that when I heard her singing, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's that's a Jessica Rabbit song right there. You could almost flip them. You could almost flip like swap songs for like Mm -hmm. those numbers in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. All right. What do you have next? Well, this is another one that uh you just couldn't get away from <laughs> this, this song is one that was played over and over again and that would be from Top Gun Danger Zone interesting about this song, I mean, it's a rockin' song. Mm-hmm. Kenny Loggins does a, an amazing job on it. Did you know that he was the fifth choice for this song? I did not. <laughs> yeah, apparently they originally went to Toto, then uh, Brian Adams. Brian Adams turned it down because he didn't want to promote war. Okay. Okay. Then REO Speedwagon. Okay. And then Corey Hart. And anyone who doesn't know who Corey Hart is... He wears his sunglasses at night. (laughs) (laughs) 
And finally, they got to Kenny Loggins because either the band turned it down or they wanted to substitute. No, I don't want to do that song. I want to do one of my own songs. Mm-hmm. And the producer, no, we want this song. And they got to Kenny Loggins and he just blew it out of the water. And really, I cannot imagine any of those other four singing this. God, uh, I can imagine what the Ario Speedwagon version sounds like. That's not mm-hmm. such a terrible leap. Uh, it's certainly not Corey Hart or Toto. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Adams, maybe, but yeah, mm. God, but oh yeah, no, it is it is hard to think of anybody else, but. I can sort of picture the world where Ario Speedwagon did this one, but yeah, but wow, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's hey, when when you do research every now and again, you come up with gems like this. <laughs> take take note, Nathaniel. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this is one of those, like I said, you just you could not get away with it, and it's it's a rocking song. It's mm-hmm. it's one that if you come on the radio, you had better not be driving <laughs> if this is on the radio because you will get a ticket. Oh yeah, but it's also one of those because. I am of the Nintendo generation. Yeah. And I actually owned the Top Gun video game. Nice. And I was actually pretty good with it. I was actually able to land on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister hated playing with me because you could do two player. I would always shoot a missile at her before she was even on screen and blow her up. <laughs> but this is, you know, I'm doing that, playing the game. And it's 8-bit, so you don't really get the music. But this is the song that was always in my head as mm-hmm. I was playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't have any other notes of this song because it's just, it's that song from Top Gun. You, you hear it. <laughs> like, you close your eyes, you hear the song, you think you're in the cockpit of a fighter jet. You're, mm-hmm. you're soaring through the air and, and you're firing missiles at enemies. Yeah, it's, uh, or riding a motorcycle at super speed. Yeah, it's, it's. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I, I and I love this song. And and for me, it had a second life through the animated series Archer, um, yeah. because because he would always quote the song for with his sort of ex girlfriend Lana whenever he thought that she had the hots for him. He was like, "Somebody call Kenny Loggins because you're in the danger zone." <laughs> just anytime something kind of untoward came up, he'd just be like, "Danger zone." <laughs> Another uh, nice rocker from that era for a very different type of movie, though. Yeah. Uh, This one is the John Parr hit Man in Motion, in parentheses, St. Elmo's Fire, or alternatively, I've seen it both ways, St. Elmo's Fire, in parentheses, Man in Motion, from the movie St. Elmo's Fire. So this is the theme from the movie St. Elmo's Fire, as I said. 
but I will admit that it was this song's placement in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that put it back on my radar after so many years. I'd completely forgotten about it. But the song drops in just as uh, Peter B. Parker and Miles Morales are going to infiltrate the lab or whatever to steal the disc, and they're getting their costume on. They're they're doing their gearing up moment uh, as the song is playing. And I was like, oh, yeah! This song is way, way better than the movie Say No Most Fire. (laughs) I don't hate the movie, but I watched it again not too long ago, and it's not great. Um, I I think for the Brat Pack generation, uh, it's just, no, it's it's no breakfast club. But the song has this great rock feel that captures that particular time period. Um, it, it's like this sensation of struggling, of overcoming obstacles in love and in life. It's about perseverance and victory. Uh, and like I think of like the, the lyrics in the chorus, I can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky. I'll be where the eagles flying higher and higher. Gonna be your man in motion. All I need is a pair of wheels. Take me where the future's lying. St. Elmo's fire. <laughs> to me, this, I mean, it's, it's appropriate that it was in Spider-Man because it feels like a hero's anthem. It feels like this, you know, call to arms slash victory march. And, like, this is another one where, like, if I'm putting it on, if I'm listening to this in the car, my foot is going to hit the gas pedal a little (laughs) bit harder than it was before. Yeah, uh, much like you with Flash Gordon, I've never seen St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, But I am very familiar with this song because back in the uh, late 80s, there was a uh, CD that came out called Hot Movie Hits, which is a (laughs) – it was a cover – CD done by the Beat Street Band. Okay. And among those tracks was Danger Zone, Ghostbusters, <laughs> and Man in Motion. So this is one that I would listen to, like just background music. And they they do a very good job of trying to sound like the uh, original band. Mm-hmm. So I was very familiar with the song, and you're right. It is a very catchy tune. It, it sounds – this is an 80s montage waiting to happen. Yeah. Really. Yeah. This is like a training session or uh, we're going to build this house in, you know, so we can sell it for a profit and the, <laughs> you see the work going on in the background or, oh, we have to, we have to build Grease Lightning. And <laughs> but it, this is perfect for a montage, which – Works with the music video, which is basically a montage of the movie. Right, right. Yeah, the video actually has, like, they got the whole cast of the movie to basically stand around for the final shot where the where the singer, John Parr, just walks around and sings to all of them and then kind mm-hmm. of walks out. It's kind of, it's kind of a funny video, but uh, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to say you're missing anything by not seeing the movie. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, oh, dude, you've never seen St. Elmo's Fire? Because... That's no, no. It's, <laughs> There's a lot of stuff thing, to pass me other by. Things to do. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, what could possibly top that? What other signature rock song from the '80s could we find to come after that song? Well, uh, I would say another one that has a heavy training montage to <laughs> going for it, the and that would be training montage. Yes, and that would be. Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. (laughs) 
as soon as you say that title, you hear dun, 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 dun. and this is one of those when my knees would actually allow me to run. <laughs> they don't anymore. <laughs> Getting old and having several knee injuries sucks. Trust me. <laughs> but this is one because I would have a, a, a playlist that was on random. And if this song came on, whether I was already running or if I was walking, I had to run for the entire length of the song. It was just one of those rules I had made for myself. Mm-hmm. Because you can't not. <laughs> this is the really great paced beat. It's inspirational. Uh, it tells essentially the story of Rocky Three. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it just listen to some of the lyrics, you know, for Rocky, so many times it happens too fast. You trade your passion for glory. Don't lose your grip on the dreams of the past. You must fight just to keep them alive. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's Rocky in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's in, in the beginning. He's just doing exhibitions. He did the Muppet show. He's doing this thing with uh, Thunder Lips. <laughs> and he's not actually fighting. But then on the flip side, you have Clubber Lang, a.k.a. Mr. T, and it's mm-hmm. rising up straight to the top. Had the guts, got the glory. Went the distance, now I'm not going to stop. Just a man and his will to survive. That's Clubber Lang coming up through yeah. the ranks to eventually overthrow Rocky. I mean, it's It tells the entire theme of the movie, and the funny part about it is, the only reason this exists is because Queen wouldn't let them use under pressure. <laughs> it's it's really weird, the fact... I mean, Rocky and then Rocky Two were famous and infamous for having these very memorable training montages. I mean, that was kind of the thing about the Rocky movies. It kind of created that, that mm-hmm. sort of subgenre scene in these movies, is the training montage. And they were based on this Bill Conti score and these songs that he like created for this. And by the time he got to Rocky Three, he changed it up. He dropped his band to do a new, like a, a pop rock song for the for the training montage. And then by the time he got to Rocky Four, he had a Sylvester Stallone had a falling out with Bill Conti. Wouldn't use his music in Rocky Four, so he had this song. He brought this song back to be the opening of Rocky Four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Like this is like you know kind of defining of that genre. Um, and if anybody is wondering, yes, I have seen Survivor live in concert. Nice. Uh, they played they played a local festival at my hometown, and yes, they did play this song twice in one show. So that's uh, that's all you got to know. So. All right. Well, um, speaking of glory, uh, we're going to move into a song that has that in the title, and this is "Blaze of Glory" by John Bon Jovi from Young Guns Two.
one was John Bon Jovi's first single as a solo artist after splitting from his band Bon Jovi, which is confusing uh, <laughs> to, to read that and then say it out loud. Um, and the story of this is basically Emilio Estevez wanted to use the song Wanted Dead or Alive for the sequel to Young Guns. Um, he thought it was kind of like, you know, fitting like that, that the title, the, that signature kind of like fit the motif. And Bon Jovi kind of thought differently. He didn't think that that song necessarily captured the Western vibe of, of what uh, Emilio Estevez wanted for the movie. So he said, how about instead of using that one, I will write you an original song. Uh, and he did that, um, that he thought the, the song Blaze of Glory would kind of fit the themes of the movie better. Uh, and he recruited Jeff Beck for the guitar part on this one. And it's just, I mean, it's another one of those just great hits. I mean, like, this was such a popular one. Like, for, for Bon Jovi to kind of break out on his own, this was a really powerful like solo act that kind of said that, you know, this guy, he's got some staying power because this song was like as memorable and as catchy as some of his big hits that he did with his band. And, and, you know, could he survive without Richie Sambora and the others? Well, I mean, if you got Jeff Beck in your corner, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is a good hit. I've, I mean, I love both of the young guns movies and, I mean, Michael Bailey has a copyright ownership of the music from the first one. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to go to the theme for the sequel. So this is what we got. Yeah, this this is one that I would hear a lot, mainly because I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> and if, if you're in New Jersey, you hear two things a lot, and that would be Springsteen and Bon Jovi. But I remember when this came out, and it was, it was the sequel that we never thought was going to happen, mm-hmm. because Young Guns had such a nice button ending on it, but it was still a, a good movie. And this song just, it, it's rocking, it really, it gets you into the movie itself. And funny story, this is the one tangent I was I told warned you about before we started recording. My wife Michelle, her cousin Sean was apparently tied to a tree in Young Guns 2. <laughs> so if it, I don't remember the scene cuz I haven't seen this movie in crap decades now. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about 20 <laughs> years at least. Yeah. Uh, but I guess there's a scene where they the riders come across him and he's tied to a tree for something or other. Yeah, that's my wife's cousin, Sean. <laughs> nice. So I actually have a connection to that. Just much like how my cousin Paul is the one flat on the floor at the beginning of The Prophecy with uh, Christopher Walken. Oh, gee. <laughs> but that's about as close to fame as I'm ever going to get. Those are, those are some ominous uh, relatives you got there yeah. in those particular scenes. Okay. And as long as they're the cousins, not us. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> All right, what do you got next? Well, the next one uh, is a, uh, a special long-distance dedication to David Ace Gutierrez. <laughs> and this is uh, the second of the Queen songs I'm picking, and that would be the opening theme to Highlander, also known as...
Now, Highlander is one of those movies that I loved growing up, and there's only one Highlander movie, just, just to be clear <laughs> about that. And I also, I watched the TV show, so I am intimately familiar with this song. <laughs> this is, but this is one that falls into my second category. It, it basically tells the story. It's it's about the immortals, how they have to fight to survive. You know, they're they're against everyone. They have the blood of kings in them. But it was almost the first category as well, because Princes of the Universe was the working title of the movie. Hmm. And that's where Freddie Mercury got the idea for the song. Most people don't hear it. They don't hear the second half of it, hmm. because the first half is what's used in the opening of the movie and the TV show. But then after that, you get the the rest of it, which changes tempo a couple different times mm -hmm. in the actual song, but it really, it, it works because it, it, get, it gets this really fast pace and then it brings it back down a little bit and back up and then back down. And they actually got Christopher Lambert in the video. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> what else was he doing really? Uh, as I have told David A. Scutieres and as I mentioned to Rick Heineken on uh, episode three of Soundtrack Selections, <laughs> I haven't seen Highlander. Um, and if, if I'm going to do it, it has to be a Patreon reward or something at this point. Uh, we're going to have to make it some sort of, uh, event, uh, when I watch yes. these movies. Um, <laughs> so yeah, cause, uh, we, we talked about with the, the other song who wants to live forever. Uh, so I can't really offer much, <laughs> much other commentary. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's one that. This one can definitely be listened to on its own, and you're not feeling all that weird about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unlike Flash. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all righty. Uh, then coming into my final selection for this episode, uh, actually changing gears, changing tempo, changing tone for this one, finally getting into a, a soft ballad. Back on the first episode when I was talking to Sean Ross, I mentioned how the song Kiss at the End of the Rainbow should have won the Oscar for Best Song that year, if not for the fact that it was released the same year as The Lord of the Rings Return of the King, which cleaned up every category it was nominated in, including song. But the song that won is still really, really damn good, and this is it. It is the song Into the West, performed by Annie Lennox from The Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Why do you weep? What are these tears upon your face? Soon you will see All of your fears will pass away Safe in my arms You're only sleeping 
So yeah, I mean, as I said, on the first episode of the show, I included Kiss at the End of the Rainbow because I think it is an all-time great song. Uh, I love it. I sing that song to my son when I'm trying to put him to sleep. I understand why this won, and not just because of its connection to Return of the King. This is a beautiful song. Uh, The music is composed by Howard Shore, who composed the score for the movie. Uh, the lyrics, I think Annie Lennox contributed, but a lot of it was written by Fran Walsh, who was one of the screenwriters of the movie, and some of the lines are taken directly from parts of the book, like certain monologues and, mm-hmm. and sort of funeral mo- moments in the book, I think. Um, it's a song about death, um, sort of about passing out of existence. You could say, like, going to Valhalla, heaven, whatever. And it's just, it's beautiful i mean and the music the music is used a couple of times throughout the movie but when it comes to like this is the song that plays during the ending credits as frodo is sailing to you know the into the west basically out of the, the gray havens or whatever it's called i don't yes I don't remember yeah so he's sailing out of the gray havens to valinor yeah i mean you in, in once i mean that it's such a obvious like metaphor for what we're seeing but like when you look listen to the lyrics i mean it's about like asking the question, what do you see on the horizon? Uh, like, just thinking about, this is a song that, like, if you're on a, at somebody's deathbed, trying to have, like, one final connection with someone before they go. And I think part of this was inspired by Peter Jackson, new uh, a, a filmmaker, another filmmaker in New Zealand, kind of a local celeb, who died, I think, of cancer or something while they were making the movie, and that partially inspired the kind of emotional hook mm. and the emotional tone of this song. And it's just, God, it, it's it beautiful. It can be heart-wrenching. If you're in the right emotional space, this song can make you ball. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I can speak to that. Yeah, it's it's something, it's so poetic. It is not my favorite song that came out that year in the Oscar <laughs> but it's not a distant second. It's really, really, really good. So that's why it's on my selection. Yeah, as as a big Lord of the Rings fan, I I first read Lord of the Rings in middle school, mm-hmm. so I've I've read the that trilogy four times now. I've read the Cimmerillion one and a half times because <laughs> it takes a little while to to actually get into mm-hmm. it, and I've read The Hobbit numerous times. In fact, that was one of the first books I read to my daughter mm. as a bedtime story. We would go, through, okay, we're going to do so much in The Hobbit every night. Yeah. Uh, so I've gotten really into Tolkien and all of the lyrics in here, is, they just mesh perfectly with that world. And you're right. If, if this is playing at a funeral, forget it. <laughs> you are not holding it together at all. But it's also perfect for playing at a funeral. I mean, just just the one passage. Why do you weep? What are these tears upon your face? Soon you will see all of your fears will pass away. Safe in my arms, you are only sleeping. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great message to those left behind. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, you're, you're remembering everything of those that are passing. So it, it, it works on multiple levels and it, because really, if you think about it, the end of Return of the King is, yes, all the hobbits have gone home, but they are not the same hobbits. Right. They have been changed. They, this, the journey they were on has changed them so that they are not 
even comfortable here. They have saved the Shire, but they haven't saved it for themselves. Right. It's almost too small for them. Right. Exactly. They've they've seen the wide world, and now this farming community just isn't enough. They're happy to be there, but like you see, when the the four of them are sitting in the Green Dragon, right? They're just on their own. Their yeah. their faces are looking into their mugs. Yeah. You know, until Sam sees Rosie, then he's off like a shot. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a war. They're war veterans. They've gone right. off to war, yeah. and they've seen things and experienced things that their contemporaries and their colleagues haven't been through, and yeah. nobody and understands the the pain and the sacrifice and the just the life that they have had over the last year or so. So it's kind of they can't relate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, but it's it's a perfect encapsulation of the world, mm-hmm. of the movies, of just life in general. <laughs> so it it's a it is a great song. All right. Well, we don't want to end on that downer note. So no. what could be, if that's the ending credits, what is our epilogue? What is going to bring us back? All right. Let's 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 pick up the tempo here. And, and that would be with my other favorite band. And that's Back in Time by Huey Lewis and the News. Tell me, Doctor, where are we going this time? Even more than Power of Love, which is a great song. Which, and also, you, appeared, which also appeared on yes. episode one of this uh, podcast. And, and that was used to great effect in Back to the Future. This tells the story of Back to the Future. It's, you know, Doc Brown is taking a time machine. You have the 88 miles an hour. You've got 1950s. All I want to do is play my guitar and sing. And it's it's a great beat of the song. This is This entire playlist... Minus Into the West, but Into the West, I was, you know, doing the the conductor thing with my hand. Mm -hmm. Every other song on this, I was tapping my foot. This one, I was tapping both feet. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is is just a rock song. And no one does that better than Huey Lewis. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's great. I mean, the, these two songs. I mean, which one I like better? It's it's one and one a. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I prefer Power of Love, but yeah, this is such a good one. Like, just listening to this one again, and uh, I mean, I know it was in fashion to bash on Huey Lewis like for for a while, just because of how overexposed he was. But I, he was one of my first favorite bands, and I've always still liked him. Uh, I've got a Huey Lewis playlist that I still come back to every now and then. So it's yeah, I, I dig this song. I love the way the song kind of like ends, just like the. They were just, they were such a good at constructing just like beats and, and melodies and everything that if you scrapped the lyrics, if you changed them, if you took the back to the future ness out of the song, 
it's it would still be a really good jam song. I mean, they could play mm-hmm. this for some for some other purpose, but it does work. I mean, just like lyrically, it fits it fits the song, it fits the character, the the spirit of fun and adventure uh, that is infused in that movie. Uh, that's another one like Ghostbusters that I would just watch again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, such a fun fun hit and a good way to end this particular uh, soundtrack selection because <laughs> uh, good way to go out on that vibe. Yeah. And, and it ends the movie too, because it, yes. it plays just as the car just speeds out or like flies off into the uh, into the camera with like the, the sparks of electricity. So, well, very very cool, uh, Gene. I'm glad that you had this idea for this set of songs. Uh, thank you very very much for coming on this episode of Fire and Water Records. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere? Well, the uh, the most reliable place right now is at the Class 1000 podcast, which, as you mentioned, is a live role-play Marvel superheroes game, which my friends and I have been uh, releasing once a month on the first of the month. Uh, you get a new episode. Could be 30 minutes. Could be two hours. Depends on what we were doing in that section of the game. Because <laughs> I had... I, can only break it at a certain point, you know. Uh, another place you can hear me is on the Two True Freaks Network, and over there we have recently resurrected. You'll be hearing it as soon as the new website premieres for Two True Freaks. Anime Freaks is coming back. Nice. Dr. Bill and I have come together. We're changing the show format. It's no longer an index show. Jeez, wonder where I got that idea from. <laughs> <laughs> we are now finding our joy with anime, and we're hopefully going to bring everyone along for the ride with us. Very, very cool. Yeah, thank you very much for being on the show with me. Listeners, as always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Fire and Water Records is a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback for this show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com, as well as Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. If you like the show, but you don't wish to support us through Patreon, please go to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review for Fire and Water Records. Every review helps iTunes or Apple Music now, I guess it is, push this podcast, or Apple Podcasts, maybe, uh, push this podcast to a wider and wider audience. All music clips and quoted lyrics are used for entertainment purposes, and no copyright infringement is intended. Thank you for listening. <laughs>